This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. And Benjamin Holden. This week's episode, again, we are housed by the wonderful Gymshark. And on top of that, we have the CBO for the UK's fastest growing company, Gymshark. Mr. Noel Mack, he's responsible for the global brand Gymshark and its growth, especially in brand marketing over the last couple of years. So we were very lucky (laughs) to have him in today. He, in this week's episode, speaks a lot about the growth of Gymshark over the last couple of years. He also discusses how building Gymshark to a brand nearly lost him his relationship, how you become a Gymshark athlete, which is one of the most burning questions that a lot of people get asked. And also we dive into how I was picked up as a Gymshark athlete by the brand as well. We talk a lot about the successes and failures of Gymshark over the last couple of years and how they've managed to become one of Great Britain's great brands, a unicorn company and been able to ride the test of time over the last 10 years and not fall short of the statistics that underpin most UK businesses. Enjoy this episode, guys. Noel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. This is a pleasure. Well, exciting. We're going to start off the question that I think people around the world want to know. Oh, you can do nice and stupid. What size are your feet? (laughs) Yeah, they are massive. (laughs) Do you know what happened as well? Do you know what's heartbreaking? My feet went to this size when I was in like year eight or nine in school and teachers and adults kept going, you're going to be a big lad when you're older, you are. And going, is your dad tall? My dad's like 6'3", right? Is he? And I was like, yeah, my dad's 6'3". And they would always say to me, you're going to be a big boy when you're older. So I sat there thinking, any minute now, 6'3", <laughs> and I'm 32 now and I'm still waiting. <laughs> so we'll see. I didn't actually notice until last Sunday when, and then Ben said, and I went, oh, yeah, you are a little, but, but I don't think they're that big. No, they are mental because I'm 5'10", right? So I look like a right <laughs> angle with these huge feet. Like, what size are they, sorry? 12. What size are you, Carl? Twelve. And how tall are you? Six three. See, close. This is what was. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. what was meant to it's be. All right, though. Yeah. Callie's everything I expected. <laughs> <laughs> got cool headphones. <laughs> six three. <laughs> we've Do also you want to swap seats. <laughs> <laughs> I want to switch up. Yeah. We've uh, we've also got your little present as well, mate. Oh Go yeah. On. I think it's a little. I bit. got this ordered to the store. No, you didn't. It did. It addressed the gym shark. So I think it's a little bit anticlimactic. No, it's not. It's it's a thought that counts. You won't even know oh, what it is. This is gangster. Of course I do. I mean, it's a close representation yeah. of my defender. Yeah, this is, is wicked. It's exactly that. Yeah, but it doesn't. Do you not think it doesn't look anything like it? It's, no, it's close. It's still a defender. This is yeah. a series two. Mine's a series three. It's and the closest it's green. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Memorabilia. What made you? What made you go, reach out to Amazon and buy this? Were you thinking, what do I know about Noel? He's got a defender. I think, we talk, I think it's probably a very selfish pursuit that I really like cars. And then we were speaking about your cars at the last Gymshark event. Um, and probably that combined with Cal's massive passion for defenders was... Have you? You're a big defender, man. Big defender, man. The 90. Amazing. I'm saving up for one. It's mm. going to destroy my bank balance, but I want one badly. The original defender, yeah, not yeah, the new one? No, no, no. Yeah. I want a 90. Like a, what colour? 
Uh, green. Or Keswick white. Green. Oh, okay. Yeah, because nice. yeah, my, my family's got a farm in Keswick. So Keswick really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you really are a Defender Man? Yeah, I know. Damn. You know, Ben's even more of a Defender Man than Is I. he really? Wild. He loves them. Like, Ben likes them enough to daily them. That's not me. Ben will deal with, like, water hitting you in the face going down the M42 <laughs> in Birmingham on the way to work because he wants to drive a Defender that bad. Where's you just like the sex appeal? I, I like posting it on Instagram yeah. and then putting it away and driving a normal car. <laughs> <laughs> Do you never drive it? No, I do, uh, but you've got to have the weather. Remember, mine's like, I took the most stealable car in, car in the world because they're very easy to nick, right? And then I made it a soft top, so it's even more <laughs> stealable. You can literally, if mine was parked out here now, you could put your hand in, unlock it, and you're in, and you're away. So I have to be very, very careful with yeah, where I drive it and stuff. It's a cool thing, like, I feel like there's a bit of, like, Birmingham lineage in there, right? Like, Defenders are from Solihull, mm-hmm. which is where Jim Shark is now from. Do you know what I mean? There was somebody tagged me in a thing on Facebook that was, like, iconic brands that have come out of the UK, and there was different stuff on there, and there was Rover and whatever else. And right next to each other, near Birmingham on this map, there was JLR and Jim Shark, and that was, like, a cool moment. That's sick. Do you know what I mean? Mine says on the dash, um, well, see, it's got this old badge on from back in the day, which is, like, the Rover Company, which it was originally called, Solihull, Birmingham, mm-hmm. England. So it's really cool that we're carrying on the lineage. Because obviously, JLR have kind of moved out now, a lot of the productions overseas yeah. and stuff. So I'm proud of the fact that we're now employing Brummies in the same place. Wow. 360. There you go. Um, we've also kindly been sent these cards um, by Stephen Bartlett as well. So I know Lucy wanted to, has actually chosen one to, to read out on the podcast today as well, if you want to do the honours. Is it completely just, where is it? It's at the very start. Oh, okay, thank you. I thought you were going to make me go through that one. Okay. Why do you do what you do? I feel like I could take that question in loads of different directions. It's all right. I think the direction I'll take it in is when I'm like an old, old man and I'm looking back at what we achieved with Gymshark we had a hand in like making people healthier. Do you know what I mean? Like we genuinely contribute to society. It's not just... This isn't fast fashion, do you know what I mean? We're not selling dresses and just the aim of the game is to make some money. Yes, obviously it's a business, it needs to make money, but I'm also super super proud of the amount of people, like truly countless people. I, I, I feel like people will think I'm being, will think I'm exaggerating or sort of over-romanticizing it, but I'm honestly not. The amount of stories, you two have heard it, at expos or meetups or Gymshark pop-up stores where people come up to you with tears in their eyes and mm. tell you this harrowing story about their past and how Gymshark or one of its athletes or Ben's story or whatever else has changed their life and now they're on this journey and they're in a much better place for it. Like, when I'm an old, old man, I'll be super proud of like the difference that we made to like a, you know, like a generation. So I think that's one of the biggest reasons I do what I do. One of your friends, um, that was his question. Can you guess who it is? So the idea so with the, these, these cards... Yeah is like the way Stephen does it on the podcast Stephen's reached out to people yeah so Stephen's reached out to loads of people and asked one question that you could ask and you know this person I think you've butchered that a little bit have I these (laughs) questions have been written at the end of Stephen's podcast and he's now turning them into cards can you guess who's written this question someone that is very close to you is it Ben yeah is it no way No way, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. Ben wrote that for the next guest? Yes. Yeah. Do you know what was cool about that? I, th- I think I got this right. Ben's a massive Jordan Peterson fan. Is and he? it just so happened that Peterson was on the podcast the, just before Ben was. Oh, so really? the, the question that got asked to Ben was from Jordan Peterson. So I think Jordan Peterson's was what is the most interesting conversation that you've ever had in ever life. Had in was life. Oh, that yeah. was the one that got asked to him? Yeah. That's cool. Damn, that was cool. What a wicked little moment. You two have really set this up nicely. Yeah, we thought about it. I thought we were going to come in here and talk about proteins, fats, and carbs. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get, we'll get on to that now. Um, you're the CBO of Gymshark. Mm. What did you do before Gymshark? 
Uh, I'm going to do a whistle stop tour because my career's really weird. And you know, have you ever seen those things that are like, people think success was like this, but it really looks like this. I'm the epitome of that squiggly line graph. Like I was a music kid. I used to play the piano while people at their dinner on Regent Street down there at a bar called The Living Room. Really? Yeah, yeah. Did while you? I was at uni to try and make some money. I was like a musician. Um, that's the music story took me in a particular direction. The most interesting part of that story was probably a room not much bigger than this in it with myself and Drake recording a song that went really, really well. That was probably the most interesting part of the music story. I made some money in music and then started an agency with my friend who was a really good web developer. And that agency was, uh, we were like really early to like content and social and stuff like that. And that was where I got a DM from this brand called Gymshark. I would never heard of, knew nothing about it. Had no idea it was from the same city as me. Had no idea about any of this stuff. How long and ago was this, sorry, the DM? 2013, I think, something around there. So like Gymshark started in 2012. So about yeah, a year afterwards, maybe a year and a half. Um, saying we'd love to do some work together. And in a roundabout way, started doing some work with Gymshark as like, like a consultant. Um, me and some guys that I was working with. And then... Yeah, then Ben reached out to me and said, how do you feel like bringing what you do in-house rather than it being like a consultancy thing? Uh, and I said no at first. And I said Did no you? for like a year. Yeah, I was like, no, it's not for me. I don't want to do that. And then I was driving along listening to Sheryl Sandberg on a podcast. You know who Sheryl Sandberg is, yeah. right? She's Mark Zuckerberg's right-hand woman, right? Ridiculously oh, wow. impressive. She's one of my, like, one of my like, career goals people. And uh, she was talking about the decision to make a jump from like enterprise tech is what I think she was in beforehand uh, into this quirky little startup called Facebook. And she said, I wasn't particularly happy with the job that Mark offered me. She said, but I thought to myself, if the rocket ship's taking off, don't worry about your seat, just get on it. And I'm driving along listening to it and I thought, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, is, is, is Jim Sharp my rocket ship? Do you know what I mean? So literally there and then in the wow. car, paused it, rang Ben, this is like 12 months after he's initially said, and we'd had the conversation a few times to be fair, but I'd always said no, rang him and I was like, you still think we should? And he was like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll come to the office. So I went to the office, had a chat about it. And it went from there. And that was uh, five and a half, six years ago now. And here we are. So that was the real epiphany moment that that was the right move to make. Yeah, yeah. And and you could, it'd be, it'd be fair thinking that there would have been times, because I'd never had a job before that really. Like I'd worked at JD Sports for two weeks and I thought, no, I ain't doing that. It's boring and left, right? And like, I'd never really had a job. I'd always done my own thing. Um, and you, it would be easy to think there must have been times on the journey where I thought to myself, oh, damn, this is annoying. Like I didn't have to do this when I ran my own agency or was doing music or whatever else. But I honestly never have. So like I, that, I've got six years of undeniable evidence that it was the right decision. So, Do you think it was Ben who played quite a big part in it? Because if you look at Jim Sharp, they've been going for a year, two yeah. years by the time you probably said yes. Mm -hmm. There's not much to kind of really go off like as a big brand yet. They're just getting started. What did you What did you see? I know you were obviously really thinking about our oh, social growth, social content, really early up, really early on. What did you see? Was it Was it Ben? So no, it wasn't. It'd be unfair to say that was the case, because like, it was it was then when they first approached me. But I did some like consultancy work for them for like two years, so mm -hmm. I only actually joined and came on board in like year four, I think, something like that. The numbers spoke for themselves, right? There, there was like the revenue went from something like 5 million to 12.8 in a year, which is just like Insane. as a percentage. Insane. I mean, it, it seems small now compared to what Gymshark is now, but like as a percentage growth, it was ridiculous, right? And there was a little bit of Ben in there. Like I admired him what he did. It, I'd, I'd be lying if I said it was it was Ben, to be honest with you. He, he was definitely a part of it, but 
I don't know, it had an energy and it had this like, you ever watch Fast and Furious? Yeah. And like Dom Toretto and his little crew and they did everything <laughs> yeah. together, right? And they were like, they steal engines together yeah. and they eat together and they, it felt like that. Like there was this crew of people, bear in mind, there was only like, Jim Shots had 800 plus staff, yeah. right? There was like- I'd say that was a great analogy of it. Like just from the outside looking in. Yeah, there was like 25 members of staff maybe. And it was like, ride together, die together, eat together, track macros together. Everything was everyone <laughs> yeah. together. You know I mean, it was really cool. And I was like, damn, this is like a, I used to, in agency days, I used to try and like pitch into CMOs and other people about why you need like a North Star that all the staff rally behind. And very often they didn't. And we got paid to write some fancy words in a PDF, give it to them and they didn't follow it. But like Gymshark were living it. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. the staff at Gymshark in the early days were absolutely living it, like lifted together, eating together. They lived it. They were the customer. So, yeah, that was a, that was like a thing I'd never seen before. I'd had a million clients say to me, "You should come in house," because I'm like, I feel like I can make a fairly good account for myself. Like I'm mm. smartish. I can speak quite well. So the amount of clients that had tried to say to me, like much older guys as well, like you know, you'd do well here if you mm -hmm. came work to, and I'd be like, "No, you're right, thanks." That's probably why I said no initially when Ben first asked, because that was my default answer. Jim Shant was the first one where they where, when Ben called me and said about that, and I actually thought, yeah, you know what, I'm, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Because they had this like undeniable energy. I think it's 20% of businesses in the first two years flop. Yeah. 45% in five years and then 65% in 10 years. Then it gets increasingly worse following 10 years. How has Gymshark not only made it to that 10 year marker, but also become this unicorn company in the, in the UK over that time period? What, what elements of what Gymshark have done, would you, could you pin down and say, the, these are some of the pivotal things that we did in order to accomplish some of these feats that we've had over the last 10, 11, no. 12 years? Everybody asks me that question, by the way. You can't. You know, a, a good analogy I'll use, right, to bring this back to fitness. I remember Matt Ogus saying to me, you guys know Matt Ogus, right? Yeah, Original yeah. Gymshark athlete, OG in the fitness <coughs> industry, all that stuff. He said to me, when I, he said, when I queue up and meet these kids, they come up to me and go, how'd you get big shoulders? He said, and what they want to hear is, right, if you twist your, the dumbbells a bit like this, he said, the actual answer is train shoulders every day for 10 yeah. years, then you'll get big shoulders. Do you know what I mean? But everybody wants the, the one tip. Like, I, yeah. I can't give them that. Do you know what I mean? I think it's the same thing with Gymshark. A million different things had to come together and the stars had to perfectly align for Gymshark to be what it was. But absolute graft and like relentless work consistently over 10 years is probably the one sort of key thing I can give you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, we were like, it, Ben's famously not like, I'm, I remember employing people, even in like when we were, I don't know, 100, 150 mil revenue, something like that, and employing like a retoucher and then being like, Ben Francis just come in the office and he, like, and because he, he sat down next to her and she was like, does he just sit there? And I was like, yeah. Like there's none of this like separate office, mm -hmm. corner office, parking space, any of that with us. Do you know what I mean? Like Ben still works like a dog. Do you know what I mean? And so does everybody at Gymshark. So yeah, that's probably the only one thing I feel like I can pin it down to. I think that's probably come from that culture of like the ruthlessness of CEOs in like Silicon Valley, especially from people who people idolize is like Steve Jobs, who had his own office away from all the rest of the employees. And you have to be like an animal to be able to work in there, which is probably a very different culture from what is now seen as a modern CEO. Yeah, I tend to agree. And listen, it's not like, it, it's far from like the Elon thing of bring a mattress to the office because we're gonna be work you like crazy. Do you know what I mean? It's not that. But you sign up for that as well. You know what that culture's about. Yeah, and I, there was an example once where we'd done this like, um, Pause there for you, Cal. <laughs> we um, we we'd filmed this uh, this legacy video. I can't actually remember what it was for now. I don't know if you remember it. And we'd like three D scan David Laid, Lex, mm -hmm. Matt Ogus, and Lovado, and we did this like scene where they're all. And it was like 
I think it was for the legacy stringer and it was the idea was being like David is looking up at those statues and whatever else and we had the random idea or somebody dropped out anyway long story short something happened where we, we decided we want Dorian Yates to do the voiceover to really tell the story of legacy Dorian is the voiceover the boys is the thingy and David's working away in the gym right and it was like when's he available it was like this Sunday in Marbella right so me and Ash Wilson you know Ash mm. right yeah sort of look at each other and book flights and just do it right and it only occurred to me when we we're in Marbella we'd wrapped up the recording similar to this we're there with a mic and Dorian's reading this thing out and he's quasi brummy accent um and like we're walking back on this like Sunday afternoon to the airport and it it, it occurred to me that like at a lot of other places there would have been a oh we've got to work the weekend type of thing do you know what I mean but I was looking at Ash who was just like lugging bags like he was a head of department like he wasn't it's, it's not like he was the the, the the video intern do you know what I mean but he's like lugging bags back mm -hmm. to the airport on a crappy little economy flight back to wherever and it occurred to me that like at a lot of other businesses there would have been a I need you to work Sunday is that okay do you yeah. know what I mean it wasn't even a question and it only occurred to me as we were flying home that Never did it come up that, oh, we've got to do a bit of extra work or I'm going to be working on my weekend or whatever else. We looked at each other, we knew what the job was and we went and did it, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I think it's that, because of that thing I said at the start, like it's such a North Star and a calling, I think it kind of comes naturally to people mm -hmm. rather than, I think what comes across in some of the Steve Jobs stories that you hear or some of the Elon stories that you hear is it's a little bit oppressive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas with us, it's like, no, people want to go the extra mile rather than sort of putting your foot on their neck to make them go mm -hmm. the extra mile, if that makes sense. That's also the culture Gymshark have created though, because the staff are quite young in general when you compare it to a lot of companies. I remember four years ago, the first time I was invited down and there's like no doors. That's one thing that I first noticed. I was like, there's no, like not really any, it's quite, it's quite open. And there was, I think it was it Steve, there was just no door. And he mm -hmm. was like, come up to me, shaking my hand, hugging me and then bended. I was like, I was like, cause that had never happened to me before ever. You, that would never ever happen as an athlete going somewhere or going to sign a new contract, never would happen. And I think Gymshark, so even going back more like 10 years, were one of the first companies to start working with people on social media. You've obviously got like the Steve Cooks, the Whitney's. Why was that? Why did, did you think, okay, we're gonna start working with people on social media because nobody else really was? Um, <clears throat> I'd love to say it was and again, this is before my time, but obviously I know the stories intimately mm. and me and Ben talk about it a lot. I'd love to say it was like a whiteboard where we sat around and went, do you know what? We're going to come up with this new form of marketing called influencer marketing. No <laughs> one had ever, no, uh, nobody had ever heard the word influencer before, right? You had like Alan Gabay, Jeff Side, um, Ogus, Lovado, etc., Lex Griffin on YouTube getting 10,000 views a video. Like 10,000, wow, do you know what I mean? And again, now, based on recent yeah. social media numbers, that's not huge. It was as naive as... Oh, we should send those guys the stringers and see if they'll wear them. Do you mm. know what I mean? And then similarly, the other way around, I've talked to Ogos and Lovato about this. The first time we reached out and said, do you want to come to Body Power in England? They were like, a free trip to the UK? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No mention of money, no mention of anything. Just do it for the flight because it sounded like fun. So it was, all, it was all quite sort of playful and naive, if that made sense. I think the key difference is there was other brands around that started to do stuff like that then, but we really professionalized it and quickly and turned it into like a working marketing channel. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And again, like a, a very different model to what a lot of other people do with the influencer thing as well. Like I remember sitting down with other like nutrition brands that I won't mention any names, but them saying like they had like one influencer marketing manager who had a spreadsheet with 200 influencers on. And it was like, right, I'll give you one post. No, so I'll give you X thousand. You give me one post. Thanks. Cheers. Do you know what I mean? And you, you two know anyway, that's not how yeah. Gymshark works. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, the, the model that we really professionalized, again, going back to me working in music before, I kind of took from the music industry. You have like an A&R at a label and they have like 
a very small group of artists that they look after, right? Uh, and they know their birthday, they know what they like, what they don't like, and they like curate that label experience for them. So we took that and applied it to the influencer marketing thing as well. And it's gone really well, right? And now like, I'm sure you've experienced it, like your athlete manager's like a friend more than oh a contact God, at a yeah. business, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, it's the community element because Gymshark's big obviously on community in terms of customers, yep. but then also when you work with the brand more so as an athlete, it's very much like a family vibe. As in, I'm quite, I've worked with other brands before and I've said some things because I'm quite transparent and it's not been taken well. Whereas I could say something to like Carl or Adam or whoever, even if it was like critical feedback and I'd never be scared to say something. It's always taken because you feel quite a part of this family. But again, that's from the culture, from employees to customers to athletes. It's not just one of the avenues. It's all of them together. You don't have to lie because your influencer manager's sitting behind you, by the way. Adam's <laughs> actually not. I've got a new one, Adam's so technically. Back, back there with a the dumbbell in the air over his head. Yeah, there was, um, there, was a, there was a female influencer that we used to work with. We don't actually work with her anymore. Not for any acrimonious reasons. If I saw her today, we'd have a great relationship. But she said to me once, um, it was after a shoot, she was like, oh, I've, got, I've got this feedback and, you know, I just don't know how to say it and whatever else. And it was, I think it was me and Ben, actually. It was like, it just come out, it's fine. And it was like, I did this shoot and some of the, the girls that were in there was like extras. She said they were like Gymshark fans. And I said to them, oh, like, do you guys do this work? And they're like, no, we've got normal day jobs. And she was like, oh, right, like, so like, are you paid to be here or what? And they're like, no, like, uh, we'd always, we'd reached out to the brand in DMs and said, if we could ever get involved somehow. And they reached out to us and said, we'll give you free outfits and whatever else if you want to come and be in this shoot. So we took the day off work and we jumped at the chance, right? And this girl said to me, she was like, well, I'm sure they're fine with that. She said, I remember in the early days of trying to become a content creator and an influencer, she said like supplement brands would reach out to me and say, hey, we want you in a shoot. There's no payment involved, but come out and we'll give you some free BCAAs or whatever else. Yeah. She was like, and I now look back and realize they were like exploiting me. She said, I'd take a day off work. I'd lose money and uh, to go on these shoots because I was, you know, an aspiring influencer, content creator, athlete, whatever you want to call them. Um, and she said, and I just hate to think that I was on a shoot with Gymshark where that was happening. Now that... Again, unless an athlete like yourself had told us that, that would never occur to you, right? Yeah. Because these girls, by the way, are absolutely buzzing to be on a Gymshark photo shoot. Yeah. They're buzzing to be getting free products. But when she said it like that, we were like, you know what, you're right. So literally, as of that meeting, a new rule came into play, which is whoever comes on a shoot has to be paid, right? And even the people are like, no, no, it's fine. Like, I was going to take the day off anyway. Or whatever. I was like, no, 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 we're going to pay you. Give us a day, right? We're going to pay you some money for being mm -hmm. here. Do you know what I mean? Because again, we don't want to be, if one of those girls goes off and becomes Whitney Simmons, we'd hate her to look back and go, yeah, like in the early days when I was just getting started, Gymshark used to invite me on shoots and expect me to do stuff for free leggings or whatever else, do you know what I mean? But like, it just wouldn't occur to us because we've never been in that position. So feedback from athletes and, you know, anybody around the brand, I think we've always taken with a real open mind, do you know what I mean? Because we're quite, I think Gymshark's quite good at sort of lateral thinking anyway, do you know what I mean? And doing things yeah. differently. Um, so, yeah. I think from a brand perspective, that's great in terms of, of recognising people's value and their time. But I also think from like a person's perspective, when you're trying to climb the ladder, there's always you always put a bit of skin in the game you've always got to give a bit of you've always got to give a bit to get a bit i think like whenever you're in a workplace whenever you do you, you've always got to give something i mean when i was trying to climb my career ladder in the police i had to give a lot of free hours to show that i was yeah, yeah. worthy of the the next step or the next job and i think that happens a lot of time and things so i think it's great that jim shock recognized that in the value of a time but I think like in a in a modern age, people expect a lot without giving anything yeah, at I agree. the moment. Yeah. Have you read Atomic Habits, James Clear? Yes. He talks about that in there, right? I can't remember what he calls that period. Mm -hmm. But there's like a period on the graph where yeah. essentially you're gonna eat shit for a while. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Expect to eat it, but then 
you're doing that, you're sort of front-loading that because eventually it's going to pay off, mm. do you know what I mean? I think I definitely had that in my career. In fact, I think most of us have, do you know what I mean? But yeah, in a world of eating shit, if the one gym shark shoot you do or the two gym shark shoots is a really good one and you get some money and you get some free leggings, then I'm happy with that. Do you know exactly. We interrupt this episode to bring you more on the Summer Challenge, which is now live. The 12 weeks until Summer Challenge is obviously the MyCoach Challenge. We've already had over a thousand people join this challenge, which is incredible. And the idea is to help you look and feel the best you ever have mentally and physically in time for summer. Whether your goal is to lose fat, build muscle, improve strength, improve your mental health, start running, whatever it is, this 12-week challenge will do that just for you. What a lot of people tend to do for summer is leave it until last minute, which is why this 12 weeks until summer challenge is there so that you can be proactive. And it's going to be a lot about habit changes, sleep, sacrifices, bedtime, more water, steps, mm -hmm. how you can become an all-round better version of yourself. Your early bird discount is only live for another day. So you need to be quick to get 50% off your enrollment price. So hit the link below. I also think it's important though, you have to, I don't think it should just be easy. Like it's, suppo it's supposed to be hard, like a bit of grafting to get where you want to get to. And it's, I think if, if things come to people too easy, they're not driven enough when they get it and they're not gonna wanna do more and impact more people, which is why we always say, me and Ben always say, whether it's in business or physical mentality, we love failing. Like failing, we, we've learned so much, myself and Ben, me personally, I'm assuming Gymshark has had so many failures. No. And we did, no, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> Cut that bell, Carl. We did a talk the other month and I don't know if you know this about Netflix, but they have an agenda of how many failures they have to have per year. And if they don't hit the target of failure, it means the employees haven't been creative mm. enough. I heard that and I was like, I, I look at failure in a completely different way. But do you think that's because you two are from a fitness background and in fitness, you're almost seeking failure all the time, right? You literally hear people say like rep to failure mm. and you only grow in fitness when you get to the end of what you can achieve. Whereas I think so many people are scared of it. I wonder if you two have got that mindset because you come from fitness where mm. failure is literally a necessity, right? If yeah. you're not failing in the gym or not failing on the run, to send to the Netflix point, you're not lifting heavy enough, you're not running fast enough, you're not running long enough, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's definitely transferable skills in there. I think it just I think just putting yourself in hard situations, whether it be like physical or mental, yeah. gives you like that evidence and shows that, you know, I can use that to then as leverage into the next thing. Because there's that thing in terms of simple task completion. I sometimes procrastinate, oh fuck. So I'll go and do something like cleaning or put the washing away. I know you don't think I do, but I do. You've never um, done that in your life. And it's, it's that simple task completion that then motivates you. That literally the threw me off so much then. Stop lying Fucking to on the cleaning. I don't think you know how the washing machine works, Ben. It sounds good in theory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you get the, the wheels in motion and then you can move on to the next task. Yeah, yeah. I think it definitely, definitely helps. But I'm not sure there's been a point in, I suppose, the journey of where you are in Gymshark, but... Has there ever been a point like where you thought you and Ben were like, this isn't going to work out or there's a, a feeling of like a trepanation of this, this isn't going to, this isn't going to play out the way that we thought. Like this, this could be kind of a, a falling block or a stumbling block in what we're looking to achieve in the bigger picture. As in the whole business isn't going to work out or you mean a particular project or? In, in, in a direction that you were looking to go to long term, like this, this couldn't work, this might not work. The whole thing? No, 
Honestly, not for me anyway. I don't know about Ben. And we did a we did a personality test recently. You know these like uh, the Jordan mm. Peterson style ones and whatever else. And it's called a, uh, it was called a Hogan test. And one what's of it the, called? Sorry, a Hogan test. Hogan test. And one of the unique things that came up about Ben in his was he has like an off the chart ability to make a mistake and then completely forget about it, like in the next moment. Do you know what I mean? So royally get something wrong, and then the next minute act as though you never got anything wrong, which is the complete opposite to me. On my face, I'll act as though. Yeah, no sweat, water off a duck's back, I'm a grafter, blah, 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 crack on. And in my head, I'm going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God. And, and I'm like wearing it, do you know what I mean? And I see it as like, I wear on like scars of things that I've got wrong. I can name you all the mistakes I've made in the last like <laughs> five years, do you know what I'm saying? Because they haunt me. Uh, yeah. Whereas Ben's got this mad ability to almost do an annoying degree at times. I'll prove him wrong about something, then I'll remind him of that the next week. He's like, did I? Hmm, don't know. And he can like move <laughs> on from it. But I think that's such a business skill, do you know what I mean? Because all the successful people I meet, I feel like they don't all have. They've, they've all only got one thing in common. It's not that they're all super smart or it's not all that they're all from privileged backgrounds or they're not all from Silicon Valley or London or whatever else. The only thing I've really can pin down and I feel like I've met a lot of successful people is they just refuse to throw the towel in. They just won't give up. Do you know what I mean? That's the only single thing I can pin on yeah. all of them. I've met people whose IQ is through the floor and people whose IQ is through the roof, both insanely successful. I'm looking at them going, these two couldn't be less alike. What is it? What's the common theme here? Ah, they both just will, ref will refuse to give up. They'll never shut the towel in. And I think Ben's one of them. Your man, Alex Amosi, was talking about this, I think, in a recent podcast about how... I, I, he kind of gamified it a little bit where he was talking about how with life, the the point of life isn't to complete it, i.e. die. It's to, to last as long as possible. And the same in business. It's not, it's, it's not a finite game. Infinite this, game. This, 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 it's an infinite game. Mm -hmm. You want to be in it for as long as possible, not try and complete it by moving as fast as you can and not realizing the mistakes that you're making as part of the journey. And then the only way that you're going to quit, uh, sorry, the only reason that you're going to fail in that infinite game is is by throwing the towel and quitting. I think you also talked about the, the, the three biggest qualities of successful people. And one of them was to, to do a bit of like that egocentrical self in terms of like, you could just turn those mistakes around mm -hmm. as quick as possible. And the other thing was something to do with- Crippling self-doubt. Yeah, yeah, the crippling self-doubt. And then also being on a path of, they could just ride it and ride it and ride it and ride it. They, they talk about the fact that so many successful people aren't actually running towards success. They're running away from failure, right? They're super scared they're going to fail. And in an attempt to get as far away from failure as possible, they sort of stumble into success. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You saw it in Michael Jordan last dance when he's crying, saying, if you don't want to be great, don't do the things that I did. He obviously knows that he's given up a lot to be Michael Jordan. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure what, but I would guess relationship, fatherhood. Do you know what I mean? A lot of these things, being a good friend, whatever else, because he had this relentless pursuit of not being a failure and being successful. That's why you look at a lot of these people, don't you? And you think a lot of people aspire to be a legend or reach the status of Jordan Woods, whoever it may be, but then aren't willing to wear the whole baggage, the full suit that comes along with that success. I'm sure there's probably a lot of that, that people don't see that you and Ben have carried throughout the Gymshark journey as well. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think if I'm super, super honest with myself, I think that, uh, my, I've definitely been like petrified of failure. I think I very, very nearly lost my relationship because of my career, for sure. Because it's like, I optimized for one thing, do you know what I mean? And the one thing was be more successful, be a better chief brand officer, grow Gymshark as much as I can, and anything else came second after that, do you know what I mean? When me and Shell split up for a while, when the, the moment I'm talking about, she talked about that, like when we were like, arguing in the throes of, right, this is over, it was... I always came second to your job and your career. Do you know what I mean? And at the time, again, you're angry. Right? I'm like, no, nah, it's not true, whatever. And then once we'd been apart for a while and I thought about it, I was like, yeah, she's definitely mm -hmm. right. 
So I think uh, Chris Williamson said it. He was like, I think people don't realize most of the successful people they look up to are terrible at everything else apart from the thing they admire them for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They're probably thing. terrible wives, husbands, fathers, mothers. Do you know what I mean? Uh, terrible at their own finances, everything else. But the mm. one thing you admire them for, playing basketball, playing golf, whatever else, they're just great at that. So it's like, you can be a legend if you want, but at what cost? Do you know what I mean? So because of that, what's your definition of success? You just stole the words out of my mouth. It changes, doesn't it? You know, when you're a kid, you think that success is... On a pie chart, you think it's 50% salary yeah. and 50% job title, right? And then as you get older, you realise that that's absolute fucking nonsense. Do you know what I mean? But I do think it's kind of a... I don't know. I think I think sometimes you have to get there to realise that, oh, it turns to ash in your mouth and that's not what success looks like. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I remember thinking that I know plenty of people that have got the big job, got the big fancy C-suite job title, right? And have got lots of money in the bank and whatever else. But I'm not... I don't have as many, I know a few, but not many who have achieved that and have a great relationship with their wife or husband, right? Uh, a great parents to their kids. Their fitness is on point, right? And they're really fit as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is a really, really like small circle of elite individuals. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like that's kind of what I'm chasing now. Do you know what I mean? I've got some of the quote unquote successful career stuff under my belt. So now I'm taking running more seriously. I do ice baths every day. Do you know what I mean? And I, I, I practice... I practice being a better partner and I think about what kind of dad I'll be and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Because I think if you can nail all of those things, then you're away at the races. Do you know what I mean? I definitely agree with as you go through different experiences and different jobs, you then realise what your own personal definition of success is. Because we do all think at the start, like money, mm -hmm. job title, how can I be known, X, Y, and Z. Um, but one of the things, obviously, Jim Shark have done really well from the very start is having the community and the culture and the brand identity is so freaking strong. When people talk about Gymshark, I've got another question, but I'll ask that in a sec. You, you do think of the community. I don't know that I'm a bit biased because I'm involved with it and I can see it from an inside perspective as well. But when you do events or campaigns, you're thinking of the bigger picture. It's never just about that particular thing. It's thinking how many people can we impact? How many people can we impact all at once? But one of the questions that I did have before moving just on to brand was why why is it called Gymshark? <laughs> I really wish this was a cooler story. Oh, okay, go not, on. It's a really not good oh, story. Oh, it's a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> and this kind of goes back to that success thing as well of like, uh, of like you think it's a linear path and it's not, it's all over the place. Ben was starting just like random websites and just trying stuff, right? The first two things were apps that were like fitness tracking apps or something like that. Gymshark.com was just a random domain name that was available to sell supplements. The first product Gymshark ever sold was a tub of USN mass gainer, drop shipped to <laughs> someone who lived on Ben's mom's street. And the margin <laughs> we made on it was a quid or something like that, right? Um, Gymshark was just the, just the name of the website, right? It could have been anything. Think of any random BritishSupplements.com or any other random website you've been on. It was just going to be that. And I'm pretty sure even that came from Ben flicking through like a, you know, like a stock image website or like stock vector logos and seeing like a, a muscly shark and being like, oh, that's cool. Jim shark. <laughs> cool. It's a random arbitrary decision, which then blew up into what it is today. The, the merch at the start, it was just merch for the website. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like wearing a top that said BritishSupplements.com. Yeah. It was just, that was what the stringers were. And now we've evolved into what we've evolved into. Was there ever an idea of as the company started to grow to change the name? No. no. To your Solid point, we, through and we through. built up way too much equity in it. When mm. people hear Gymshark, they like the like community and fitness, do you yeah. know what I mean? And they know it. So like, what are we going to change it to? Shark. Do you know what I mean? Just to try <laughs> and sound a bit cooler. Like I always think names are a mad thing, yeah. And like when, when I have my agency to talk people through this because 
they'd like they'd want a name for their brand or their company or they'd want a logo and it would mean nothing to them at the start and I was like yeah but they never do at the start yeah. it's what you put into them that are important if I said to you two today I'm going to start my rap career after this podcast I'm going to start rapping and you're like cool man what's your rap name going to be and I said Little Tantrum you'd be like it's the worst rapper name I've ever heard but Tiny Temper which is literally the same name yeah. I'll, just, I'll just swap them out <laughs> yeah. it makes complete sense right yeah. But if when he started, he said to you, I'm going to call myself Tiny Tempe, you'd both be like, that's an awful name. But it's what he built up in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's the same thing with logos. The Nike swoosh probably looked rubbish at first. Do you know what I mean? It's the same thing with logos, same thing with names. Yeah. You, you have to build the brand on top of them. Do you know what I mean? They don't represent the brand intrinsically when you first whip yeah. them up. You, I, I get what you mean if you put a lot in it. I suppose it's not the same, but the the idea of the, I, the IKEA theory in terms of you put so much effort, time and energy into building something yourself that it makes the end... Thing feel Way more valuable yeah, than yeah, it actually yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's kind of there's some transferability that, there with that story. That's a lyric in a Kanye West song. At the at college dropout. You, this has just occurred to me. College dropout. Right at the end, he's talking about getting kicked out and all that kind of stuff. And he says, "I went to IKEA. I got a bed. I put the bed together myself." He says that in the lyrics. So to your point, there's obviously an emotional connection in yeah. there. If Kanye West talking about it in his debut album, yeah, hundred you know I mean? percent. It's such an esoteric reference, by the way. God, that was <laughs> way back here somewhere. It's lurking. Um, one of my favorite quotes again from a favorite author is Mark Manson. Uh, he said, if you want to change how you see your problems, you have to change what you value and or how you me measure failure or success. So for people listen, listen to this and thinking about the Gymshark story, thinking about launching something, thinking about an idea, thinking about changing jobs, thinking about applying for a job. How do people see in front of them opportunity instead of risk? I'd love to answer this more eloquently, but just do stuff and see what happens. Do you know what I mean? A huge part about why we did what we did and pulled off what we did is because we just tried stuff. We didn't know how it was supposed to work. So we just tried stuff. Do you know what I mean? The amount of kids I've met and I'll, I'll meet them at like a Shopify conference or something like that and they go, oh no man, I'm a big fan of Ben. I go, oh nice man. I, I really like, um, I don't know, insert entrepreneur here right i follow all of gary v's videos i see you guys work with him yeah yeah cool and they've watched all the podcasts they've read all the books and they've been talking for 10 minutes and i'm like so what sort of business have you started and they haven't got one or uh, yeah i'm still trying to figure it out and you're like the, the the those people that you're talking about they all just like trying things do you know what i mean like i said ben had made like his fourth website which was gymshark.com do you know what i mean gary's tried every business under the sun and some of them jump off and some of them don't do you mm -hmm. know what i mean i think there's a little bit of like paralysis by analysis with like these entrepreneur journeys. Do you know what I mean? Be able to over, over analyze it like crazy and don't get out there and just sort of figure out what works and what doesn't. And I think some of that is down to like pressure of if I fail, everyone's going to laugh at me. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Chris Williamson said this on his podcast the other day. He's like, people say to him, oh, but what if my podcast sucks and no one listens to it? He was like, well, result, nobody listened to it then. Yeah. So if it does suck, don't worry because 10 shit, people yeah. are going to hear it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got a problem if you've got a big podcast and it sucks, but no one's going to care at the start. So crack on and start doing stuff. And by that point, you're going to be at least a little bit better than you better, were. Exactly. Yeah. Ago, just yeah. learn it along the way and constantly sharpen your sword. Do you know what I mean? Do, do you think there's that element then of that we we have this abundance of information available that it, stop, it actually hinders people from making decisions and taking risks because we're just so swamped in consuming, consuming, consuming from more and more channels that we just get so much of our time is is eaten up with that instead of just taking action and then learning from that. Honestly, I hadn't thought about it much. Um, potentially, though, and I think I'm just as bad. Like, I started running at the start of Jim, at Gymshark 66. Like, just before January 1st, I'm looking at what shoes Kipchoge wears. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I'm reading all these tips 
the number one thing for me to do is just get out and just do a fucking run, man. And figure that out afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, worrying about like, do I wear my free train vest or do I have my phone in my hand or whatever else? But if I just kept analyzing that all the time and didn't go out and just do a run, do you know what I mean? Then I never would have, none of it would have been relevant to me anyway. So yeah, on the entrepreneurial journey, I think more people need to go out and just start doing stuff and seeing what sticks. Because so often, again, going back to the linear versus squiggly line, so often what you start doing isn't what you'll end up doing. Anyway. You know Yeti, Yeti yeah. coolers and stuff. Do you know like the coolers are now 30% of their revenue and the, the water bottles are like 70. Like your... Uh yeah, Cal. We we actually the, got the we got a Traeger grill, it? didn't we? So cool. Yeah, we got on free with the grill. Yeah, we, we got we got a Traeger grill, and we both got these Yeti bottles. I was like, I've never I've never seen that like bottle before. Love it. Really cool brand. Like so clever in terms of the brand, and it came with a, a barbecue, and I was like, what? Yeah. How does that work? It's built off that like American culture of like mm. everyone going out to the lake and whatever else. Do you know yeah. I mean, or in the car park at the football game and whatever else. But the fact that like they started off in the cooler thing, which by the way, you could get coolers in um, Target for like. $50 and they were charging up 500 for theirs. They just built a cooler brand around mm. it, right? And now that's actually become this much of their revenue and the water bottles is exploded like that. Do you know what I mean? So no no Gary V video was going to tell you, do water bottles at first yeah. and eventually, sorry, do coolers at first and eventually it'll turn into a water bottle. Do you know what I mean? You just got to start doing stuff and figuring it out. You've got the same as an example company like Grenade. The bars, the bars make all of their money and they would have never known at the start. They had all these different products. Remember five years ago, I cal. first tried, yeah, Rocket fuel. I first tried, I think it, they came in like a little a grenade. grenade. Yeah. I don't know what they were, but they made my going to have a heart attack. But then I started having the bars from that because I purchased one thing. I think companies do that so clever. Obviously, Gymshark's gone down the route of lifting. You've got Nike, running, Lulu, yoga. They're the first things you think of. Then obviously you think of Gymshark, you think, oh, Jim, I'm, I'm gonna, what, what am I going to wear to the gym? And it's such a clever thing to do in terms of how you're going to identify yourself as a brand. But obviously with Gymshark and that space, it's such a big space. At the very start, when you're thinking, right, what kind of avenue do we go into? Has it always been, we're going to be the community for lifting in a gym? Not, yeah. not like Nike and... Yeah, that will always be the center of the Gymshark brand. Like always, I can go on the record and say that will forever be our home. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I really, really admire, we can talk about brands on this street actually, um, uh, North Face, right? Because yeah. North Face started off as like literally on the North Face of the mountain, like selling carabiners and ropes and legit equipment to climb mm. stuff, right? Now you've got like the North Face and Gucci collab and ASAP Rocky's wearing it. It couldn't have less to do with mountaineering. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they've gone all the way over there into like mainstream culture and penetrated like that. But if you climb Everest tomorrow, you're probably still going to wear a lot of North Face stuff to do mm -hmm. it. Do you know what I mean? That's a real, real skill. To go all that way into mainstream culture and to not lose where you came from roots. is massive. Do you know what I mean? So that's what we're doing now. Our thing will be, how did Gymshark become that mainstream brand while always remaining? If you're, if you're getting ready for your first show or you're trying to do your first fitness journey or whatever else, Gymshark is the brand you will forever wear. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, but also we can go off and we have license to play in those sorts of areas as well. That's a really clever way to think about it. Actually, I was just thinking in my head like, oh, Gymshark Gucci Club, but that would never be a thing. Would it? I'd say more Burberry if we were going to do it. British brands, neighbours on the street. Burberry, if you're listening. How would there. that work though as a company? I do want, I do, your I North know. Face vibe, I complete, I, and I don't understand how they've done it because the, new, the North Face Gucci thing was so clever. They obviously use the train guy, Francis, who blew up on TikTok and everything like that, and he's doing their campaign for them. And then, yeah, you're right. You wouldn't not wear North Face because it's the most functional thing yeah, yeah. you could possibly wear. But as a brand, it's so wild that they've actually successfully been able to do that. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't, I don't understand how they've managed to do it. Years and years and years in the game and very smart leadership, I think. Because like, if we think about other brands that have stayed in the niche, Brooks running shoes, right? And they're really, really good at running shoes and they're, they just, they're just in the niche like mm -hmm. that, right? Then equally, you have other brands that try to venture out. I won't name names because that would be weird. But there's other, we can all think of them mm -hmm. in our yeah. space as well that have tried to venture out and become mainstream and just forgotten where they came from and it's ruined it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a knife edge. You can, stay, you can play it safe and stay in your little niche. And we could be about this size we are now and we could be the lifting brand for everyone if we wanted to be probably, right? But our ambition is to be the biggest British brand ever, right? So we talked at the start about Jaguar Land Rover. We just talked about Burberry. We're going to be bigger than them in terms of like the biggest brands that have ever come out of Britain. If we want to do that, we're going to have to push that envelope. So the balancing act is push that envelope while making sure that, you know, the next David Laid still wants to wear a Gymshark stringer when he's 14 years old, stepping into the gym for the first time. The passion that you have when you talk about Gymshark is incredible. I, I love listening to you talk about the brand because I find it really inspiring. Gymshark employees, you said obviously there's 800, it's a lot of people. When you are taking people on or looking at people to have within that community and culture, like as, as actual staff, mm -hmm. are you looking for those people to have that same passion? Like to be a part of the team, you're taking on maybe a videographer or customer services. Do they have to have that same passion and drive for where the company's going to be with its vision? Not really, no, not at the start. And in fact... <clears throat> No, not necessarily. I think we've brought on really smart people who have never heard of Gymshark before. It's just a job to them. And they've ended up absolutely smashing it. Do you know what I mean? Once they're in and we tell them, right, here's where we're going, are you in? Then yeah. we need that buy-in. Do you know what I mean? Then it's like, yeah, okay, I'm here for it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm willing to push the envelope. I'm, wishing to take, I'm willing to take risks and I'm really invested in this journey. At that point, we do. But like, if, like you don't need to come to your interview talking about protein synthesis and Sawyer Clatt's <laughs> latest video. Do you know what I mean? Like... That's just, it's just not a necessity. And yeah. I think that's actually a bit of a misconception. When people walk around our office, they think everyone's going to look like you two. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think everyone's going to be sat there with massive shoulders and abs. Do you know what I mean? But it's just evidently it's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> a, a very dubious decision then. Why did you take Aaron? Honestly, it was, a, yeah. it was a admin error. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, just from the, 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 the DMs, and they always seem to come up. I know Lucy gets them all the time, even with the, the question box that we put up today. Honestly, uh, pretty ev much every everybody question. asks daily is like, How do you become a Gymshark athlete? What makes, yeah. what makes a Gymshark athlete? Or is, is there a blueprint to it? Let, let me ask, no, there's definitely not. I was going to say the opposite of that. Let me answer your question honestly. I think it's because you bring something unique to the table, right? A thing that used to happen in the early days, right, in the days of Nicky Blackett and Christian Guzman, was you looked down the queue and everybody queuing up for Nicky looked exactly like Nicky. Everybody queuing up for Christian looked exactly <laughs> like Christian, right? And they'd come up and be like, no, man, listen, I'm getting my subscribers up. Here's my Instagram. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about working for the Gymshark brand. And I'm looking and he looks like a tiny little Christian. And I'm yeah. like, but I've got Christian. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, a better, so, a better yeah, yeah. Of it. so it's like, it's like people who bring something unique to the table. Do you know what I mean? Like you two are ridiculously unique. Do you know what I mean? Being able to look the way you look, being able to lift, being able to run ultra marathons, all that kind of stuff. Like you bring something really special to the table. And I think that's what we kind of look out for now. Do you know what I mean? Of course you have to have the social stats and everything else. Cause like I said at the start, this is a business at the end of the mm -hmm. day. But like in a world where lots of people have got social stats these days, the fact that Gymshark has these really, really interesting characters that connect with people on another level is a bit of a unique selling point for us. Do you know what I mean? I, you missed the Ross Edgley documentary, didn't you, in Manchester? Or yeah, did you see I wasn't that? Here. No, we were in America. Have you watched it yet on YouTube? Oh, I watched that. It will. Have you, Cal, have you watched it yet? Oh, thought it was going to be my ally. <laughs> we'll watch ne it. Next the... time I do that, say yes, ready. Yeah, Cal, we'll have you watched it. it yet? 
Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, Caught out that first bit, Cal. Honestly, yeah. like, like, again, just Ross swam around the UK without touching dry land. Do you know what I mean? And his tongue fell out and all this madness. Like, Eddie Hall said it best in the documentary. He was like, he was like, if I asked you to sit in that chair and stay awake for 72 hours, you wouldn't be able Can to do it. it. Ross is going to swim that entire time, right? Mind-blowing. Like, absolutely mind-blowing. Do you know what I mean? And... I'm just picking on Ross because he's one of the latest ones and that video explains it really well. But there's a story like that behind every Gymshark athlete, do you know what I mean? I don't think you could, you could, sit, you could grab Callum, Clem, Adam here and have them talk about Gymshark athletes and they could tell you really individual stories about them all day. I don't think at any point do they go, yeah, you know, she's a, she's a fitness girlie and she's doing well on TikTok and that's it really, do you know what I mean? They've all got something like an angle or something unique about them, do you know what I mean? And like a really individual thing. So... I think for the aspiring Gymshark athlete out there, make sure you bring your authentic self to the table. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing that's going to get you signed. Not you do exactly the same stuff as you do. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's, I think that's good for people to hear because I think a lot of people will look at it as I need to be that fitness girl or I need to hit this number in order to be able to be recognized or be seen rather than maybe losing their identity through that and their identity actually being the main thing that will be, make them be seen more by the right people. Yeah. Some, someone had asked me at the Manchester event just gone, one of the girls asked me, which is why I wanted to ask the question. She was like, how did you, how did you become a Gymshark athlete? And I didn't mean, I think I came across, and not, not rude, but I just said, I was like, you need something about you. And that was, she couldn't understand. I was like, I was like, obviously socials and be passionate about the brand and wear the brand and like the clothing and everything like that. I was like, but you just need a, you need a bit of, a bit of something and I couldn't give a better answer than that and I felt like it was an awful answer and I was like I'm sorry I can't say anything yeah, more yeah. but we're saying the same thing you but said what you've just said, said there confirms kind of what I meant is just to have it is just having a little bit of mine's like a bit of grit like a little, I love doing crazy like things but having something about you that makes you unique as a person because social media in this day and age it's crazy 14 year olds on TikTok who have millions of followers it's it's so different than what it was even like four or five years ago. It's such a different space, and especially the fitness world. You've got different avenues, and I think staying in your lane and knowing what you're good at. Like, I'm very no bullshit, straight to the point. Some people will hate that, and some people will love it, but the people who love it will stay and cling on and, and join that journey. And that's why it's so special, I guess, with Gymshark, because you have such a variety of people. It's not, oh... Gymshark athlete, they all look the same. Not fucking one of us looks the same. And, then she, and, then, she, and then she finishes conversation with, but well, use my discount code. <laughs> Which have recently been introduced, by there the way, to a, to a Gymshark, yeah, code Lucy. But don't you think that's true of like being a content creator in 2023 in general? Put Gymshark aside for a second and don't worry about being a Gymshark athlete. Yeah. Like when I watch YouTube videos, I can spot what they're doing if they're, if they're copying someone else in the first 10 seconds, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, Casey Neistat, I get it. They're doing the Casey thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, okay, they're doing Christian Guzman, I get it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's Whitney Simmons. And I can, like, pattern recognition, I can see what they're doing, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I think that if you're an aspiring content creator, A, for your own sanity, and B, to try and cut through the noise a bit better, if everyone's copying each other, if everyone's trying to be Mr. Beast, then no one's going to get ahead, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you, like... Like, who'd have thought that slime would become a thing? Do you know what I mean? I remember the time I was talking to, like, an influencer agent, and they said to me, oh, by the way, Noel, if you're interested, I, uh, I also represent the top three slime influencers in the UK or something like that. And I was like, what influencers? You know, the slime thing that the <laughs> yeah. kids are doing, the glitter and all that kind of stuff. Like, who thought that would have jumped off? But it did. Do you know what I mean? ASMR, whatever else. Like, if I was going to quit what I do and start the Noel Mac YouTube channel tomorrow, I'd go so niche. And I would just place a bet that there's enough lads out there like me 
who like the same stuff that I do. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy I watch on YouTube all the time. It does Charles nutting because I'm constantly watching him called Matt Armstrong, right? He's a car YouTuber. I like cars. He started off, he bought like a, he bought like a banged up Audi TT, diesel, 12 years old, because he couldn't afford a, like a straight one. So he bought a banged up one and like on his mum and dad's drive, jacked it up, mm-hmm. changed the wishbone, put a new wheel on it. When I managed to get a second hand disc somewhere, put that on, he's like, brilliant. I got a TT for three grand, right? And I could, a straight one would have cost me five. Started watching him then. A year later, he's got a million subscribers and now he's doing up Porsche GT3 RSs. Do you know what I mean? Because there's enough young lads out there that also it's couldn't it. afford a TT and also thought, oh, wow, I could do my own little yeah. bit on the drive. Do you know what I mean? Now, when he'd started that, if you'd walk past him in the street filming his first little video, you might think, what are you doing, man? Do you know yeah. what I mean? But there's enough people out there that were the same as him and like the same stuff that he likes. So mm. I think that's what, I think that's advice I'd give to any creator, whether they're trying to become a Gymshark athlete or not. Do you know what I mean? And obviously we've been around this creator economy thing for like a long time at this point. So I think... We've seen a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever read the Purple Cow, the book that I got you? It very much touches on that theory. Do you remember the kind of yeah, vibe yeah. from it? You explain it better than us, though. Yeah, Cal. so basically the idea is that um, there's a man driving to work every day and he drives past, uh, on his first day of his job, he drives past the field and there's a load of cows in the field and he goes, oh my God, there's cows in the field. And he texts his wife and he goes, oh, I had a lovely drive to work, cows in the field. 30 days later, he's driving to the same job and he goes, oh yeah, there's cows in the field. That's cool. Six months in, he's driving past not even looking at the cows. Then the next day he drives past and then there's a purple cow in the field. He slams on a brake like, oh my God, what the fuck? There's a purple cow. He gets out, he calls everyone, calls the news, pictures, videos, everything. Mate, there's a purple cow in the field. And like, that's what you need to do to kind of stand out. And that's what, that book that I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you need to be really a purple cow. Be a purple yeah, that's cow. That's the takeaway here. Be the yeah, purple cow. Be a purple cow in yeah. a very, very busy world. I think that's, it's cool the fact that like so many people aspire to be a gym shot. Like it's almost created this that was sphere a, that, in itself. That was by design. Like at the start I said that we didn't come up, we didn't have a whiteboard that said fitness influ- uh, influencer marketing. We did write that down as a thing. We're like, we're going to have this coveted group of individuals that's like being a pop star. Do yeah. you know what I mean? You saw the way we had you all get off the bus on the, at the weekend. We saw the way we had you all wearing matching stuff that nobody yeah. else could buy. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that was sick. That was all, it. these are all tiny little things that are by design to galvanize Gymshark athlete. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's why they're all asking you. It's like they could have asked you, how'd you become a big influencer? How'd you get sponsored? How'd you get whatever else? But they're not asking that, right? They're asking, how'd you become a Gymshark athlete? Because we've like curated this experience. We knew when we put AirPod Pro Maxes down in the room, we knew when we did the bed drops and all that stuff, you lot would all jump on your Instagram stories and go, whoa, do you know what I mean? And we just further build the equity in that idea that well, Gymshark athlete is a thing. We were in Florida and I was watching everyone's stories and I messaged Adam because I didn't know if I would get any because I was only coming on the Sunday. And I was like, Adam, I was like, do I have that stuff in my room? <laughs> he was like, yeah, you'll get it on the sun. Because we were obviously That's so sweet that you thought you had late. to do a full two days to get the aircraft. <laughs> Sorry you don't qualify. I was just like, I messaged really politely. We were in Florida. But yeah, again, that whole thing of you do as a company make people feel very welcome. And that's a really important place to be. And even if you go to the extent of, I say like more recently, people's mental health is taken into consideration if we're having a bad day or... Like I have really bad anxiety, but if it's not all right, you just message your gym shop manager. Say, I'm just not feeling it. I need to take like two, three weeks off. It's not like, oh God, I've got these deliverables. It's yeah, fine. Like don't stress about it. Whereas with other brands that I've worked for in the past, sometimes you can get really even more stressed thinking about it and not being able to open up to people. Infinite game versus finite game. If it was a finite game, we'd say, no, we need you to hit your post this month so that he can say to his boss, I did my job this month. Mm. Yeah. And we can hit revenue numbers this month and we drive X sessions this month and blah, blah, blah. 
we're building a hundred year brand here. Do you know what I mean? This isn't your average fitness e-commerce thing that started yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we want to be the, the biggest British brand in the UK. Like we make decisions that I think will outlive me, Ben, Adam, anybody else involved. Do you know what I mean? Like biggest British brand ever, hundred year business. When you think about it like that, does it really matter if you don't post this week? Not really. Infinite game. I saw this tweet that you put up the other day and I actually DM'd you about it. Yeah. I think I did as well. Do you know something really embarrassing? You see, I spoke his name wrong. I didn't. I didn't actually I even know that. I think that's, Joe, yes, I think that's <laughs> my, might be my, either my slight dyslexia or just read through no, it. On, but um, it was in my generation, young men have gone from idolizing people like Joey Essex to idolizing people like Goggins, Peterson, and Jocko. I think that tells you a lot about how they're feeling and what they're going through. What did you mean by this? Andrew Huberman is killing it at the minute, right? He's on every podcast. Everyone loves him. He's Athletic Green's main guy. Can you picture, let's go eight years ago, a scientist like him who doesn't, like, look, he's not gorgeous, right? He's not Robert Pattinson. He's not shredded like David Laid. Just a normal dude in a shirt. And he's like a rock star. Do you know what I mean? Like him or hate him, Jordan Peterson, similar story. Do you know what I mean? These people weren't like idolized or coveted like eight years ago. Do you know what I mean? Back then it was, like I say, Joey Essex, Mario Falcone, whatever his name was, Mm -hmm. turkey teeth, slick back hair, Rolex, all that kind of stuff. I just thought it was interesting that, and I'm I'm probably, I'm probably telling a particularly male story here. I'm conscious that this isn't very female focused, but I am male. So it's easier for me to sort of try and dig under the skin Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it, it tells you a lot about how I think young lads especially, I think girls as well, but mainly young lads are feeling when they've switched their focus from idolizing people like that into like scientists and stoic athletes who are achieving genuine feats of like, wow, that's incredible. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's quite telling about the generation. Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't know if it's like we went through that era of where we saw a shiny object for a little bit and people chased it and then found at the end of the the tunnel had to the prize wasn't that great and a lot of the stuff that these people like Jocko and Peterson Goggins are talking about is leaning into those those periods of hard and the actual physical and psychological changes that we feel and see and that then carry on to other elements of our lives that come through it because there's a lot of people like we spoke about in the previous podcast that are hurting like really badly hurting in life um so what would you say for some of those people maybe are feeling lost in what they're doing at the moment or are feeling pain or have gone off track or are self-critical to get you from that place into a place of just being happy or feeling fulfilled? I don't think I've got any right, to be honest, to give advice out like that because like I, I, I think I fell foul of that as well at times. Do you know what I mean? So like I didn't tweet that because I think I'm also a Jocko or a Goggins. Go and listen to one of those guys because they're a lot better at this than I am. Do you know what, okay, what do you feel like you've learned from those people that like you can take into your own life? that you think that other young aspiring males may also look at as well? That, to your point at the start, a bit of graft and a bit of like not getting everything you want right away and having to work for it, do you know what I mean? Is really, really good for you. Have you ever seen like, this happened to my dad, when blokes retire and they can't chill out. I think my dad chilled out for about two weeks and went, fuck this, started applying for jobs again. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or they'll do weird things like, you'll have a bloke and his entire life is like, right, provide for your family, look after this, go to work, work. And then he gets to whatever it is, 55, 60, and you go, right, you can put your feet up now. Hey, 
I've been conditioned for 60 years to go out and do something every day and work towards something. Mm-hmm. And now you want me to just put my feet up and do nothing. And that's why I think you get these weird tendencies where they like become obsessed with the mm-hmm. shed. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. In the garden. Yeah. And yeah. you've got to get that absolutely spot on because yeah. they need something to work towards and like a purpose. So I think it's really dangerous when you have males especially who don't have a purpose. Do you know what I'm saying? I think it's true of females as well. But I just think in the way we've worked historically... I just think it's been really hard. I've watched it. I've seen more examples of it in men. Do you know what I mean? Probably because, again, I saw it in my dad. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, so, yeah, I think that Ross talks about it a lot. The, another example, Daily Stoic, right? The reason Stoicism has become a thing all of a sudden. Marcus Aurelius came out with most of that stuff. Do you know what I mean? This isn't new information. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, it's done a resurgence. You've got to ask yourself, why? Why all of a sudden have we uprooted these things that were written down all those years ago and started trying to put them into practice again and everybody talking about them again? I think it's because... Like you say, the people are struggling at the minute and people are finding that that's a better way to deal with their problems than taking a pill or seeing a therapist or whatever else. Do you know what I mean? Going out and running, going and doing a nice bath, pitting yourself up against something you didn't previously think you could do and then doing it anyway. Do you know what I mean? I think that's really, really helped people. I think someone who talks about it really, really well and he did actually at the Gymshark event is is Ash of how he's, he, he's used pain in a very unique way, yeah. but how we can utilize and use that pain and refocus it, re-energize it and put it into something where it makes us feel accomplished after we've done it. And you know, the really interesting thing about that Ash conversation, right, is, so I, 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 I've got nothing against Joey Essex, by the way, um, but I used him as an example of people have gone from idolising Joey Essex into Goggins and whatever else. Remember, we all sat and listened to Ash Kane and Chris Williamson, and they were both talking about Excellent, these, like, yeah. you know, rugged individualism and all these, like, stoic mentalities. Chris was on Love Island, series yeah. one. <laughs> Ash was Take Me Out. In fact, they were both Take Me Out, and yeah. Ash was X on the Beach as X well. Beach. Do you know what I mean? And this is the interesting thing. I feel like I could forgive you for thinking a few years ago that the social media generation was all fake and coverty and, do you know what I mean, a bit whatever. I don't think they were. I think they were just the first generation to go through social media mm-hmm. because as that generation's got a bit older, we've got two ex-Joey Essex types, no offence, boys, if you're out there, mm-hmm. um, who've now become these like ridiculously respectable guys who've achieved some serious stuff and are now being like these guiding light at Gymshark Manchester for all those young guys and girls in the audience that are going through tough times. Do you know what I mean? So I just think to the generations that were sort of judging the social media generation being, oh, it's all vapid and sort of bullshit. It was like, I bet if I'd followed you around with a camera at that age, you'd have been doing the same stuff. The only difference was it wasn't being filmed when you were that yeah. age. Do you know what I mean? You weren't, you, you, you weren't putting it on your Instagram story. It wasn't click, like, Cleos and McGann's. It was XR3Is and do yeah. you know what I mean? Whatever else it was back then. Those sort of people though as well just prove like humans as a whole, can, we can do really hard things. Yeah. Like physically and mentally, you're comparing like Goggins. You can't even fathom some of the things that he's done, but people looking up to that, maybe it's not to his caliber, but, oh, I'll do a marathon because I'm so inspired by David Goggins and what he's done. That to me, I hope obviously the next generation that comes through do look up to those people in particular over the other people because then it gives them that level of hard that, and we spoke about this loads in the podcast. Everyone's level of heart is completely different. He's another level. We're completely different. We're different. We're different. And it doesn't matter. But if they can aspire to even do things that are mentally and physically hard to them, they're going to be so much better off because they'll learn to fail. Yeah. They're going to go through different experiences. So when you said that tweet, I think I applied to you. I was like, oh, yeah. God, fucking someone said it. Yeah, it hit me as well. Yeah. I think, like, maybe during that time as well, there just wasn't a lot of good male role models because... When there's times where there isn't, it's easy for for someone to be sucked into that position and mm-hmm. fill a void. I mean, I think a lot of people spoke about how Tate 
Tate did for a long, long time. And whether you agree or disagree with him or not, he had a big impact on the world and a lot of a lot of males who are maybe struggling. I don't think necessarily that what his message was. His, I think he highlighted the message and the difficulties for a lot of young men. I don't think he was a he brought the solution to the table, but he definitely highlighted a lot of cracks and flaws in society today. But the problem is, you're also an anti-female, and that's yeah. where that's yeah. where I kind of draw the line, right? And I, this is a problem that I think people is another kind of split dichotomy or a problem is people seem to think, and there's this association at the minute with if you're pro-male or pro-masculinity, yeah, you must be times. anti-femininity yeah. as well, right? I can think that I can think that blokes should go out and graft and provide for their family and get good at combat and jiu-jitsu and lift weights and whatever else, and also think there should be more female CEOs, right? <clears throat> the two ideas aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. The problem is I think a lot of the role models that have emerged have either been one or the other. But they say it's a sign of intelligence, right, to be able to hold two contrasting ideas in your head at once. And I think we need more people to come out and talk like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? To say that, like, mean, you know, a typical a typical masculine uh, ideology is fine, but I also think the education of females and more opportunities for females is also a great idea. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I think that too much is one associated with the other. And that's where I think that some guys might be worried about being sort of pro-masculine because they think that associates them with being anti-feminine. Do you know what I mean? But I think we need people who are both yeah it's a very black and white thing i I think you see a lot of people with like really strong powerful female role models i know lucy gets it a lot i've seen a lot of the females online who get a lot of shit from men from just being pro women and being supportive of women that doesn't mean again they're anti-men the the other difficult thing is even though with the tate example is it's it's difficult um to agree with a lot of things that he says because they're also anti-women but you can't then disregard all these other ideologies and very very forward-thinking ideas that have helped a lot of men just because you don't agree with one thing. You can't you can't be black and white thinking in that regard, even in terms of just completely writing someone off because you can't agree with 100% of the yeah, things that they're saying. So. I understand, yeah. But for example, because I, I don't like Andrew Tate in any sense, really. Um, I, I'm I can obviously, understand why. Though. I'm obviously really pro-women, but I love a lot of the things Jordan Peterson says because I'm completely on both sides. love a traditional male, think it's hardworking, but then I also own businesses and I strive for equality for women in sport. So I'm on both levels, but there is certain people. He's probably the only one, to be fair, that's come out recently where I've just been like, I, I'm not even going to listen. I do usually listen and take time to understand. I don't even have the time or I don't want to waste energy on listening to him as a particular person. And that, again, doesn't mean I'm completely pro-women and not pro-men. It just means that I think him as a particular individual, I don't believe he was a very good role model for young men from certain things that he was saying. Again, I might be biased because I'm a woman. Um, no, but, I, agree, I agree with you. But that's where it's quite difficult for someone like him in particular because a lot of people, a lot of women don't like Jordan Peterson. But I'm like, I, I, I quite like him because he bases most of his things off science. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't yeah. argue with science. He'll say a lot of things that are opposite to me being like a female business owner. And I'm like, that's fine that he thinks that. But yeah, that's where I kind I of think, have I that f- weird I feel thing in my like head diff- with. On even on the same level, though, because I think Peterson says things which are controversial, but which are, which are true. And just because you think something isn't fair doesn't mean it's not true. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the thing mm-hmm. that people get mixed up with in this day and age is that because something isn't fair, they then will be at the forefront, like pitching against it. Mm. And it just doesn't mean it's not true because it doesn't feel fair yeah. or right. Yeah, I struggle with Andrew Tate there. I, I, I agree with you on that because I can understand why as a female I would piss piss a lot of people off and like I said but the thing with Tate is I don't think he's a solution but I feel like he's highlighted a lot of issues mm. for men for someone maybe to fill that void 
But you could do that with being. My, my, my issue is you could do that with being without being anti-female. Yeah, you could. Yeah, hundred percent. Some of them. All, I think all my career, my career goals. People that I look up to and like, I want to be like them are all female. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like I've got a bit of a unique view. Plus, when you've been at the head of the Gymshark brand for a long time, females are such a huge part of that story. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like I get. Obviously, I don't have a female's perspective because I'm not one. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like I get a healthy mix of both. So. I agree with you. I think there's some, you know, a lot of pro-masculine messages are, are, are good for guys. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I love combat sports, right? I think everybody should be able to defend themselves. You should lift weights. You should provide for your family. You should do all these things. Um, but I also think females should get more opportunity and more education and everything else. And I just, I, honestly, I just haven't heard many people talk like that. They seem to be one or the other. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely hard to find someone who's covering both sides of the fence with a, a fair swipe of the sword. But you know what? That might just be social media, though, because yeah. social yeah. media so echo chambers. Yeah, well, Absolutely. and, it, and it, it it benefits you for having one really outlandish opinion. If you went out, if I did a reel today, if we chopped this up and put it out on a reel with a nice balance for you, wouldn't get any views. Right? But you'd probably get more views if you came across with an incorrect, yeah, yeah, for sure, opinion or stats because yeah, yeah. it get more comments and then yeah. drive out more. Yeah. That's shorter, more clickable, more outlandish. It's gonna fly. Do you know what I mean? So. To, to reverse the point we just made, maybe there are people out there doing it, but no one's listening to them people. Do you know what I mean? Because it doesn't work on social. Maybe that's one of the downfalls of social. I also think one of the big things with socials, though, is people are very, very scared of giving their opinion. Whether it's to do with cancel culture or not, I think you need to go, you really need to say some shit to be cancelled. But people are so scared to give an opinion on social media because they don't want people to not like them as a person. Yeah. But I think it's more important to say your opinion and understand that not everybody is going to like you. But that's fine because not everybody in the world is supposed to like you. If everyone agreed on everything, life would be so boring. If people didn't debate, like me and Ben debate about even that topic just before, we don't agree on it and that's absolutely fine. I think the reason why people, it comes across on social media that it's like pro-men or pro-women or whatever category you're talking in is because people are too scared to say something in case oh, like, what will that brand think yeah, that I, I mean. work with? Yeah, or yeah. I agree. am I going to get cancelled? Have you ever watched two people have a really good debate online as well? There's one, there's the Jordan Peterson and Stephen Fry on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, is that God. the one about religion? No, that's no, a different one. That's, I know the one, one you mean, that's the one, yeah. uh, is Christianity a force for good? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's a different one where they're debating together. Yeah. But there's one where they go, like, not, it, I don't think it's even intended to be a debate. They just have a, a conversation call. on Zoom, yeah. yeah. And they fundamentally disagree on loads of points. And it's such a beautiful, rare example on the internet because so often... The internet is designed for everyone to agree with everyone mm -hmm. and like you say, echo chamber and everything else. But when you watch two people debate really well, it's like watching a ballroom dancers. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like the push and pull and the moves and you see Stephen Fry reconsidering saying, you know what? You might be right on that, Jordan. Yeah. I love that. Do you know what I mean? And Carl's I think a big Stephen Fry fan, aren't you? Hello, sorry. I think it was the Christopher Hitchens one that he was debating with Stephen Fry. Oh about, yeah, that was uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Christianity. That's an. If anyone's not seen it, it's Intelligence Squared yeah. in London. It's an incredible debate. So that's it. Intelligence Squared. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. But yeah, the Zoom call one's really nice. Yeah. And again, like, I, I can't remember what it was about. I don't remember if, who I agreed with on that call. I just love watching two people disagree. It was great and doing it really, really respectfully, without one screaming and trying to cancel the other one. Do you know what I mean? It was beautiful. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I definitely have quite a strong opinion. Like people kind of know what I'm all about. They're coming to my page for like a specific reason because I'm not going to bullshit them. Whereas a lot of women, especially, is kind of scared to say it for backlash. But I'm like, okay, for backlash, I'll create content off it. Whereas I think I have a bit of a different mindset with it because I don't really care what people think because I know 
not everyone is supposed to like you, but then I also understand that's from five years experience. At the start, everyone needed to love me. I, I would, wouldn't say anything really? that, yeah. I was really like by the book. I wouldn't say something if I thought something. And over time I was like, I was like my, my, how I am as a person, I was like, it needs to be more transparent. And it started to come through and come through and come through and the more no bullshit stuff became like my identity. I know loads of people don't like it. I know loads of people talk about it or like they'll do opposite stuff to me. And I'm like, oh God. But <laughs> I think having your own identity and staying true to it on social media is one of the best things you can possibly do. And it's really hard when you see someone's suddenly got 2 million followers on TikTok for just, I don't know, playing with slime or, or doing something like that. Whereas when you're trying to grow and you need to stick to your ethos because that's what you truly believe in. I try and say to people, it's okay if it's a bit, a bit slower, like mm -hmm. this day and age, like don't worry, don't try and compare yourself to other people. Um, but yeah, I think the social media thing and having an opinion is hard, that's really easy hard. That's caught up in, because you, you, what, what you're probably doing there is just lending your self-esteem out to the validation of other people. Do you think, but do you think the landscape's changing now though? Like where, <laughs> like, like contrary opinions like yours, I've seen you both do it where you call out another fitness influencer and you go, I've seen you go absolute bollocks when they yeah. say that, you know, whatever. Um, I feel like I'm seeing more and more of that and I feel like that's becoming more accepted now. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, yeah. follow the narrative and make sure we're all saying the same thing. Yeah. You know I mean? It's this weird step out of line. Orwellian like yeah. nightmare where we all have to agree and don't step out of line because you might get cancelled or you, I feel like now I'm seeing more people do the kind of thing that you two are doing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think people get the confidence when they see certain other people do it. I only really do those videos sometimes and I'm really, there's a guy the other week saying, women shouldn't want to build muscle or oh, it triggered something in me. <laughs> and I was on it I straight it. away. I think the yeah. next day and it, wow, yeah, blew up because my kind of following understands how I feel about that. People are like, oh, don't be hurt by his comments. It's like, no, no, I'm not hurt. I'm inspired to then create content yeah, off what, yeah, what he said. Yeah, yeah. So I hope in that way, I mean, Ben's a little bit more extreme than me. He he really kind of, the words Ben Long uses are a little bit different than I use because I just, I just don't speak in that way. But I think people build up more confidence slowly when they see other people doing it. And I hope it, it does happen more because there is a lot of shit in the fitness industry. So question then, you said you were five years late at the start, you complied five years later, you're different. Is it five years later because you've got more time in the game and you've become more confident in who you are? Or is it the changing landscape that now you've seen James Smith PT and whoever else come out with some more Orlandi stuff, that's given you the authority to do it? No, I think it was more so from my own experience. I wasn't comfortable with kind of, I was just quite posting for aesthetics and what I look like. And I've got a very freakish physique as a woman and I was kind of playing off it. But I wasn't really happy. Like I'd post ab workouts and be like, Six, well, no, I've had it since I was four. Lucy, you're lying. And it's it quickly Damn, switched up. Ridiculous self-awareness, that is. It quickly switched up. I only, yeah, about a year. Before I started working with Gymshark, I'd already made the switch. When Gymshark started sending me stuff out, I'd already stopped posting for get a six so, pack. So to be clear to what we're talking about, you had genetically really good abs that you'd always had, mm. but then you'd post workout, you'd post ab workout videos and go, this is how I got my six pack. This is how I and got you, my six pack. Yeah, and you decided that was Clickbait authentic. Clickbait is yeah, kind yeah. of what I did. And I thought that's what I needed to do personally to grow. 
or like really kind of bending. I don't know how, I, I can't do it now, but you know the pose where you really make your ass look massive and I used to like wear nothing and take these pictures and absolutely fine if people do that. By the way, it's nothing. It's just not who I am mm -hmm. now as a person. That's what I thought I personally needed to do to grow. I was doing it for like a year. I was like, I'm so unhappy. Like I'm so unhappy. Yeah. I'm, and then that's why, but then that was maybe like six months before Gymshark. And then I made the switch. You know what I love about that though? It's, it goes back to what we are talking about. Like I'm saying this from the 30,000 foot view, right? I'm not signing athletes. I'm not on the ground. The fact that you said you made that switch to becoming like your authentic self and not fitting in with the thing. And then six months later you got picked up by Gymshark. Yeah. It kind of reinforces the point I made at the start mm -hmm. about how you become a Gymshark athlete that we don't want carbon copy clones, everyone trying to be the same thing. We want authentic people who are being real. Do you know what I mean? As soon as you did that, you got picked up. Mm. I think that's easy to get lost in though as well because I think we were speaking about this the other day, me and Kyle, about how many people are losing their identity through being somebody else online, it being validated by thousands of other people and being liked by loads of other people and then believing that was what caused this status increase which then changed their identity and they lose completely who they were and they become that thing that they pretended to be. It's sad that, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the saddest thing that happens mm. at the moment through social media is that change through them thinking that's the trait that is being liked by other people, not their authentic self. Mm -hmm. I think that, just to refer back to that take thing, I think he, he became a character that he created and could was validated more and more. Yeah, yeah. He actually became this strange individual. It's sad, but I think, I think, again, for as many people like that as there are, you've also got Ashley Kane finishing his thing on the Thames the other day. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Showing how inspirational it was. So I think, I think we're quick to blame social media for it, but I think we have to look at ourselves as well as like humans and say, is that just the thing that's amplifying the bad things about us? And equally, we've shown with Chris and Ash and you know plenty of other people and yourselves, you can also amplify really great things about people through social media as well. I don't think we know enough about it. Yeah, we spoke about in the podcast last week about how we are literally Flintstones in the fast, fast lane at the moment of this culture. Oh, Cal, clip that. <laughs> Flintstones in the fast lane. Of culture versus this evolution thing, which is what I was talking to Ash Dykes about before. It's just so new that we don't know anywhere near enough about it. And we're battling this thousands of years of evolution that we have ingrained in this DNA and this real quick paced environment that is just so foreign to us at the moment that we don't properly understand. Damn, I'm going to go back and listen to last week's podcast after that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You also want to read the book that Ben's reading yeah. at the moment. What's it called? The Ape? That understand, understood the universe. The Ape, the ape that, that understood, understood the, the universe. universe. I, he tells you about it. Ben will read a page about Lucy. This is what I've learned today on my book. Yeah. And to be fair, it is really interesting because even though social media has been around for so long, we're still, we're still like at the cusp of it. It's in the next 20, you can't even envision the next 20, 30 years what the world's going to look like. It's going to be so different. It's different in different countries now. China's completely different to here and it's all moving in a particular way. Like it's exciting, but it's also terrifying. Oh yeah. Like I think it's a mixture of what the fuck is going to happen. Are we going to have like, holograms i think we already do have holograms probably somewhere but how different the world will be in 30 years time is beyond me it's finished with no on the grip test oh yeah you've, you got, you've got to at least test. beat lucy by the way it's just like i'll sell the clothes i'm not into you know what I mean? like, <laughs> my, my score is so basically all you do is squeeze but that. For, to be clear, you said this to me at the start, Matt Morcia cheated. cheated. Because Would you expect anything that, less? So, and pulled and pushed <coughs> against his leg, but you can't, you have to have it in open Have it out right like that. You ready to beat Tom Stoltman? I've done some jiu-jitsu, I hope, I'm thinking that <laughs> might, do you know what I mean, help, because yeah. grip strength and all that. A lot so of, of jiu-jitsu. You, you can get like over. three goes. No, I'm going to get it first time. 
But you're, I'm not going to embarrass myself three times. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you'll you'll you may try and beat maybe Cal. So, <laughs> give me some tips. Just pause. Also, Cal, squeeze. do you feel attacked by that? Because yeah, you should. No, that was a very just, subtle dig. Because I think you as a might, fellow size twelve, <laughs> <laughs> I think you might beat me. Mine's actually forty-five now. I didn't. Okay, I'm not going to look. All right, because I'm just going to yeah, squeeze yeah, everything yeah. I've got. Huh? It's on. <clears throat> oh. Oh, press. Oh, mate, if I do you want to set it up, Cal? If I, I've just done it, look. It, age 20, Cal, come and sort this out, mate. I'm sticking my age in there, <laughs> my national insurance number. Yeah. You just need to like use your whole... It's a lot harder than I think people expect. The max it goes up to is 90 kilograms. Don't, not, let's I'm not, not <laughs> worry about the max it goes up to just yet, right? We'll, we'll get to that at a later stage, but we're ready. Yeah. yeah. Three, two, one, go. Oh. <clears throat> 57.8. That's terrible. <laughs> no, it's not. As well, I could feel it slipping through my sweat. Have another hands. go then. Have another go. You beat me. Uh, most people have had two or three goes, to be fair. So. Yeah. Matt, yeah, Matt, no, I, Matt, 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 Matt was not going to finish until you beat me. That was Matt's thing. Yeah, we need to change Matt. He cheated. I need, yeah. I need like a bit of purchase. I need to put something in there because I've got sweaty palms from all these intense questions you've been asking me about <laughs> cancel culture. Blow. Sorry, don't worry. Blow on them. Right, here we go. I'm taking this dead seriously now. This is... <laughs> everyone's going to think. Isn't it Every, weird, by every, the way? Everyone's watching now. When people you got, you got watch. a lot of social pressure. Do you feel like you were a little what, bit What did I say earlier? That more successful people are running from failure than they are running towards <laughs> success. This is me running from cow. <laughs> go on. It makes me sweat. Go on. Go, 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 go. Oh, oh cow! That one was Come that on. was a that was a ninety kilogrammer as well. Was what do I press? Start. Start. And then it'll go to zero kilograms. You stitch me up with that, <laughs> girls. Watch this. Ready? There's gonna be big numbers on here. What are you talking about, Dad? <laughs> You're making me clammy. That's like this shouldn't be. This should not be this stressful. There we go. There we go. What oh. is it? Big numbers there. Sixty-four point five. Oh. oh. <laughs> you were so close. 0.700 grams. Okay, right. you said three attempts. Though. Three attempts. See, I knew you'd want to do Why three. Why was my left hand stronger than my right? Though? My, my, my left stronger. Really? Yeah. What's what's the theory about when people are watching something that performance has improved? I can't remember what it's called. We need to Google it. What do you mean? There's a theory of like when. Oh yeah, like if you got an audience. Yeah. I need those three primary school girls. <laughs> yeah. To come, watch me like the whole Olympics. Watch. Watch. I, think, I think they'd all beat yeah. me if I had to go at it anyway. Mine's woeful. Are we ready? I also can point out. I was going to say you listening. are a girl, but that probably I'm, sounds a bit sexist. Yeah, let's not make it sexist. But out of everybody, I probably am maybe the least. You have got an strongest. audience now. It's quite a tall list, though. Like who's number one on our thing? Tom Stockman, the strongest man in the world. Yeah, the strongest man <laughs> on the planet. I like how you put WSM <laughs> next to his name. Go on. Come on, though. Go, go, go. <sighs> The worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> it's rigged. It's rigged. It's That's all right. What what Everybody get out. 60, 64.8. We'll take that. Yeah. Remember that, Carl. Is that what I got? 64.8? Yes. Yeah, no, so you're just above me. Okay. At least you're above me. It's fine. You're not the bottom of the scoreboard. It's worse no, to be at the bottom of the that. scoreboard because <laughs> I'm a sore loser. Not interested. Forget your podcast. <laughs> no. Yeah. Where, where can people find more about you and your follow the Gymshark story? Follow what you're doing behind the scenes. Don't worry about following my story. Follow Gymshark. Uh, Gymshark.com. Follow Ben Francis, follow the company. We're going to be the biggest British brand in the world. And like I said, I'm really, really proud of the fact that we're helping people and helping a generation get a little bit fitter, a little bit better and help them cope with the pressures of modern life a bit better. Love it. Thank, thank you for um, all the opportunities that you've given 
for everyone, but also to us, we're massively thankful for the space of coming down to Gymshark, coming yeah, to events, obviously Lucy being an Filming athlete. the podcast here. It's um, obviously Gymshark awesome. Gymshark Regent Street, come check it out. great, yeah. Gymshark Regent Street store. And obviously, fun fact, this isn't, you wouldn't know, since we've started doing the podcast here, the podcast has started booming. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Congrats, guys. It's graft. Yeah. Good work. Everyone who's watching on YouTube or Spotify, please keep watching, subscribing, reviewing the podcast, leaving a review. Obviously, we love it. Make sure you share this to socials and tag us. As always, we appreciate every single one of you. And thank you so much for watching or listening. And we'll catch you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.